Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com. This is St. Louis on the Air from St. Louis Public Radio. I'm Elaine Cha. Missouri's legislative session got underway on Wednesday this week. And here to tell us all about it is St. Louis Public Radio State House reporter Sarah Kellogg. Sarah, welcome back to the program. Thank you so much, Elaine. Good to be back. So let's talk first about expectations. We heard from House Majority Leader John Patterson on this show not that long ago, and he had said something to the effect of temper expectations for this legislative session because it's an election year. Sarah, what do you think about that? I mean, I think it is an election year. And and despite leadership in the Senate and the House speaking on getting beyond politics and achieving goals, the reality is, is like by my count, you have five senators running for statewide office, which is, uh, and you have three in the House, which includes Speaker Dean Plocker in the Senate, that includes Senate pro tem uh, Caleb Rowden. And now with U.S. Representative Blaine Luke Demeyer retiring, which was announced yesterday, mm-hmm. we could see a lot more of, in that field of other people declaring their candidacy. So there's just going to be a lot of politics involved. Mm -hmm. Well, speaking of Senate President uh, Pro Tem Caleb Rowden, he said, quote, political experts and onlookers don't think this session is going to matter too much. And my simple message is, let's prove them wrong. I mean, (laughs) you've said that, yes, like there's a lot going on this year. But I mean, realistically, can much be done this term? Realistically, I'm just not sure. Only yesterday, day two of the legislative session, the Senate had abruptly had to abruptly adjourn because one member of the new the Freedom Caucus, which I'm sure we'll talk about later, mm-hmm. and a member of the uh, and they're also a member of the former Conservative Caucus, they were berating a fellow Republican over votes that they felt weren't conservative enough, and they had to adjourn early over it. This is day two, so it just feels like nothing's really changed from May. It feels like we're just where we were a couple months ago as far as tensions and and friction in the Senate, at least. So I just don't know how much is going to get done. Mm -hmm. So the passage of time hasn't necessarily done all that much. So for priorities this uh, this year, you wrote a story that is now on our website, that's stlpr.org, and it previews this legislative session. And one of the things that you pointed out, Sarah, as a piece of must-pass legislation is the reauthorization of the federal reimbursement allowance. And that's a tax that hospitals pay to help fund the state's Medicaid program. Sarah, why is this important? It, this is just incredibly important to the health care funding. Like you mentioned what it was, this tax on hospitals, nursing homes, pharmacies, ambulances. And basically, it ultimately funds most of Missouri's share of Medicaid payments. And if that isn't done, then that money has to either come from somewhere else in the budget and or programs are cut. And Senator Cindy Laughlin told me, and it's in my story, the amount of money involved is about $4 billion. And she says there's no way it doesn't get renewed. So this is a must, must pass in order to fund the health care system ultimately in Missouri. Mm -hmm. Is there anything that might throw a wrench in that? 
Uh, yes. <laughs> Last time uh, back in 2021. So just before a couple months, actually, before I took the job that I have now, mm-hmm. uh, basically it took a special session to pass the FRA because there was an effort by some Republicans to eliminate Medicaid payments to Planned Parenthood. And there was lots of you know arguments that language like that would jeopardize the funding. And so ultimately the, the goal was to pass a quote unquote clean FRA bill. And so they didn't get that done in regular session. They had to do it in special session. So we'll see. It might if they don't get that done, that will absolutely guarantee be a special session. Mm-hmm. Now, another item, Sarah, that you noted, it pertains to changes to how constitutional amendments get made. Tell us more about that. Well, this is last year. It was a priority for Republicans. I believe it is this year, which is it could come in a lot of different forms, which is what bogged it down last year. So the House bill had a, a version that was basically you had to have 60 percent of people to vote for a constitutional amendment for it to pass. No changes to signature requirements. There are some legislators that want to see different signature requirements. There are people that want to see that a majority of Missouri's congressional districts have to pass uh, a constitutional proposed amendment for it to go into the Constitution. So there's a lot of just differences. Ultimately, it comes down to whether or not the Senate and House can agree on what that should look like, but also then it has to go whether or not they can sell that issue to voters. Mm -hmm. And it would be about making it more difficult to change uh, yes. Con- right. Yes. Yes. It would be uh, basically amending it, the Constitution, to make it harder to make further changes. So, for example, the initiative petition process has legalized medical and recreational marijuana, mm-hmm. minimum wage hike increases, Medicaid expansion. A lot of these issues were passed through initiative petition process onto the Constitution. And, you know, it's not like there isn't a precedence of this happening, but it's been failing lately. So voters in Ohio wrote it down recently, as well as voters in Arkansas a couple years ago. So it's not like this isn't something that other states have tried to do, but so far it hasn't been successful. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another thing here that's gotten a little more interesting this week, and that has to do with who can own land in Missouri. What has happened there, Sarah? Yes. So Governor Mike Parson signed an executive order this past Tuesday that bars foreign adversaries of the United States. It has a list, China, Russia, Venezuela, Iran are a couple of examples from obtaining any state farmland that is within 10 miles of a critical military facility in Missouri. And they define critical military facilities as uh, basically all staff military facilities in Missouri. It's not retroactive. So land that's already owned can't be taken back. But Parsons said that's the most he could do under current state law. And he called it a placeholder to see what the legislature can do this session. So I think that's going to once again put this issue in front of legislators this year. Mm -hmm. Now, school choice is another topic or issue that has come up in the past. And it looks like this is another thing that's likely to come up again. Yeah. Um, Last year, the legislature adjourned without passing any major education bill. Like there was a couple omnibus bills that were close in the Senate, but ultimately didn't go anywhere. So there was no major uh, education changes last year. I think that this is going to be on the minds of a lot of Republicans. I think charter expansion, I think open enrollment, I think vouchers, those are all priorities for Republicans this year. We'll see if they get something done. I know a parent's bill of rights, which is more just like basically... The ability to uh, have more information on what the schools do and teach and curriculum and things like that. I think that's on the minds of, of Republicans. I think for Democrats, it maybe comes in the form of, of increased teacher pay, though, it, you know, that might be somewhere bipartisan. But I think that's definitely going to be something that is discussed in uh, in depth this year. Mm-hmm. And something else that you and I have talked about here is 
the potential for legal sports betting in Missouri, and it's not just been a conversation between you and me. I mean, this is something no. that people, yeah, like what are the the odds of that happening this session? <laughs> I think you asked me that last year and I think I my answer I'm going to repeat I wouldn't bet on it. I think <laughs> and honestly I think that's the attitude of Missouri sports organizations now. After years of waiting there is now an initiative petition approved for circulation that would legalize sports betting. It would go on the ballot if it gets enough signatures. And this isn't really a surprise. Like you said I joined you to talk about this mm-hmm. and I mentioned that Bill DeWitt the third president of the Cardinals told me that the initiative petition process was something they were looking at to enshrine it in the constitution. So, you know, I'm sure there will be efforts again. I'm sure the St. Louis and Kansas City sports coalitions are going to travel to Jeff City again to to rally for it. But I think they see that, you know, there's still just uh, an impasse when it comes to passing sports betting and not and, and not having to be combined with video lottery terminals, those gaming machines um, mm-hmm. that are found in gas stations. I think that that's I think there's a desire to keep those separate, but there's not from other senators. So I think it's I think they know that that's probably not going to happen again this year. So they're going through the initiative petition route. So mm-hmm. I, th- I think that that's kind of a, a consequence of, of an action over the couple of years. Right. We're talking with Sarah Kellogg, STLPR's state house reporter, about the opening of the 2024 legislative session in Jefferson City. Let's talk a little bit about St. Louis issues, Sarah. Last year, uh, during the session, the big story in St. Louis was about the controversy surrounding then-St. Louis Circuit Attorney Kim Gardner's mismanagement of the office. And in Jefferson City, lawmakers were considering trying to exert more control over the prosecutor's office in St. Louis or you know, trying to reimpose state control of St. Louis's police department. Is there much likelihood of those issues coming back up again, Sarah? That's a really good question. I don't think the prosecutor bill is going to come back. I think that even though they said it doesn't, you know, didn't center on Kim Gardner, it ultimately did. Um, And it was an Mm -hmm. effort to get her to to have state control over it or to get her to resign. And she did. So I don't think we're going to see much appetite for that bill now that uh, Gabe Gore is in the office and has so far... has gotten praise from Republicans of how he's done it. So I, I don't think that's going to be an issue. The state control of police, I do think that bill will probably show up again, but I don't know how much momentum it will have now with, with Gabe Gore in office. And and you're, it, so I think that that, I think we'll see them again, but I don't know how much teeth that particular bill will have this year compared to last year. Mm-hmm. Now, another thing uh, that did come up that you wrote about uh, just yesterday has to do with um, with tax earnings. So uh, what about issues like that um, that would squarely affect St. Louis? Is that something that you're expecting to see? Well, the earnings tax that would impact both St. Louis and Kansas City it would affect both of them because mm-hmm. they both have an earnings tax. But it, this is this was a committee that uh, House Speaker Dean Plocker tasked you know, basically members with examining the earnings tax and coming up with suggestions. So what was released yesterday were ultimately just suggestions. They aren't bills yet. So we're going to see kind of how much momentum some of these have. Um, I think the biggest one that has bipartisan support would be possibly exemption of the earnings tax, which for listeners who don't know, that is the 1% tax on income for city workers in St. Louis. So basically, um, I think an exemption for lower income workers, um, I think is something that could get some bipartisan support. There's also uh, interest from Republicans on reimbursements for remote workers. So people who don't live in St. Louis area, but you know work in St. Louis companies, they get the earnings tax too. And so Kansas City exempts those. St. Louis right now is in the middle of a lawsuit over it. So I think there's 
interest in that for having St. Louis do the same, but a lot of people are also saying, hey, let's just wait for that lawsuit to, to happen and to conclude before we do anything with legislation. So I think it'll be an interesting topic. It's an election year. It's taxes. That's obviously something Republicans like to talk about. So mm-hmm. I think it'll definitely get some conversations going, but I don't know how much it'll actually m- move this year. Mm-hmm. Now, Sarah, earlier you had mentioned the conservative Missouri Freedom Caucus, and that was announced earlier this week. What is this caucus about, uh, and what do you think about its potential influence? So this is kind of an offshoot of uh, the Republican white wing, white oh my god the Republican right wing U.S. Congressional Caucus. It's kind of an offshoot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and just to basically at the end of the day yesterday, at the end of the week, the legislators in the Senate basically do a news conference for lawmakers, and it's normally Republicans and Democrats. Well, yesterday it was the Republicans, Democrats, and this Freedom Caucus. Mm-hmm. And what Senator Rick Bratton said was pretty much to briefly talk on what their mission was. It was to advance the Republican platform. IP reform, budget cuts, education choice, and what they said was, quote, giving every single student a choice and the capability to get a good quality education. So that's what they said they're trying to advance. It is a far right wing of the party. Mm -hmm. It is similar members, not all the same, but very similar members to what the former conservative caucus was. So I think it's once again, you're seeing kind of a third party in the in the Republican Party or the third party in the Senate uh, in in two versions of the Republican Party. Mm -hmm. Well, if we're Talking, I guess, about the the conventional bipartisan sort of way of looking at things, do you see or foresee any areas of bipartisan cooperation beyond what you've mentioned already? Uh, Child care. I think that Mm -hmm. is an area that the Governor Parson outlined last year during his state of the state. They got resounding applause from both sides of the aisle. Democrats stood up. I remember that vividly. Uh, issues on child care, either tax credits or other changes to it. So I think that that's something that will definitely have bipartisan cooperation. We'll see if it gets done. But I think that's something that already just the idea itself has basically people bought in from both sides. Mm-hmm. So there's also a bit of, of controversy, and that pertains to House Speaker Dean Plocker. He's been mired in it and is the subject of an ethics investigation. And it's over the way he handled expense reimbursements. That is, he received reimbursement from the government, but also from his campaign. So Plocker paid the money back and chalked it up to administrative mistakes. But some people even in his own party called for his resignation. What's the status of that investigation, Sarah? So that is still ongoing. I'll also say that the calls for resignation, there's not as much. I think that's tampered down a little bit since session has started. I haven't seen really a lot of just uh, pushback against Speaker Plocker about this. Um, I don't really expect this to impact the legislature that much. If it was the Senate, I think it'd be a different story with the ability of, of filibustering and butting heads. But the House runs pretty efficiently. And I think that that's not going to be too much of an issue this session. I'm sure, I mean, the ethics investigation is still going to be ongoing. We'll see what happens about that. But I don't know how much of it's actually going to impact work. Mm-hmm. Sarah Kellogg is STLPR State House reporter. Sarah, thanks so much for talking with us today. Absolutely, Lane. Happy to do it. Today's episode was produced by our executive producer, Alex Hoyer. Audio engineering and podcast design by Aaron Doerr. St. Louis on the Air is a production of St. Louis Public Radio. Understanding starts here. St. Louis on the Air proudly supports local artists by using music from Life Creative Group. 
Do you find yourself regularly listening to episodes of St. Louis on the Air? Suggest us to a friend you think might enjoy our conversations. And leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts on the App Store. It's the simplest way to help people discover our show. Thanks. St. Louis Public Radio is a member-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com.